We have a podcast called Making It, and we're going to do that right now. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Yeah, good to see everybody. Um, I think we're going to kind of run this like a normal podcast, and just like normal, we don't have a topic. <laughs> have you guys seen Whose Line Is It Anyway? It's going to be that style. So we're going to take topics from the audience, not questions. We're going to save questions for later, but we want to have you just shout out a topic. Not One yet. or two word yeah. phrases. Not yet. But uh, not yet. Think of them now, That's and you'll be here to watch us crash and burn. All right. <laughs> David, what you been up to? What's going on? <laughs> uh, I'm having a good time at Maker Faire, that's for sure. Good. Everybody else having a good time? I want to get crowd noise into the microphones. Despite the rain, it's turning out really well. Yeah, there are a lot of people here. Yeah. So what am I working on? Yeah. Or so, doing or like whatever. Yeah. So right, we just finished up a drill press station. So my drill press sits in the corner and I built a stand and a table on there. So now I can do repeatable drilling cuts. And then the next thing that we're going to work on is we're going to motorize the drill table. So it goes up and down using a drill. And we got one of those like Oh, you mean like extensions. it's got a crank on it? You're going to turn the crank into a drill? Yeah. So oh, very cool. We, we bought a couple of drills. And one of them is going to go to the, the mechanism that lifts the table up and down. And then we got another drill that's going to, it's got a clutch on the drill that's going to lock it in place. Because there's, my drill press has the, the up and down and then the, the lock. And so... And then we're going to, this is the experimental part, is we're going to take the drills apart and try to bring the buttons up front and make it like a little panel. So oh, right. Cool. So you're going to take a drill, make it a sacrificial drill, yeah. gut it. Yeah. 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 That's cool. The only, the struggle that we're going to have is the reverse, because the reverse, I think, is a gear within the drill. So there's some, there's some uh, problem solving to do, but that, that's the fun part about Get like a do. stick and a wire. Exactly. Yeah. There's like a shift, like a wire that goes out to that and you go and it just over there. Or just don't have reverse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you only go down. Yeah. So cool. That's what I'm working on. Awesome. What about you? What am I working on? I've been traveling, so I haven't had a chance to make anything. I made what I called the cenote tables, my last video, and I have like 25 great ideas on this phone. I'm going to immediately start making them as soon as I get back. And if, I, if anybody's curious, I'm still alive and I'm still making videos. <laughs> anybody's curious. Halfway through a vlog. He's, he's still. <laughs> halfway through a vlog that I started in California, and I just, I said, let me wait till I have more meat. That's why sometimes the vlogs take too long to do because I don't have enough, what I call stories or news stories or little bits of information or hangouts with somebody. Sometimes it's too light, so I wait and wait till I have good juicy stuff. And now I have four trips a TV show to talk about, uh, a Maker Faire to talk about, Maker Central. I got a lot to talk about. So, Have you been shooting here? I shoot, yeah. I, I, I have so much for episode number 85 that I'm being a little bit light. In fact, I wanted to film this, and when you start talking, I'm going to set the camera up. So, yeah. Yeah. And we, we got a couple of right here. Oh, nice. Right on. <laughs> yeah, I think you and I probably are both as itchy to get back in the shop because we were both... We both were uh, at Maker Central. I had one day in between, and I did a little bit of machining, and I changed the fuel filter on my old car just to like erase the the need to do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we yeah we were in uh, Italy. My wife and I went to Italy and got to do a bunch of stuff and have a good time. Then we went to Maker Central, yeah. caught up with him, and then we came back for a day and a half and then came here. So I haven't been in the shop in a long time, and I haven't seen my kids in a long time. So, I love you guys, but I'm ready to go home. You keep mysteriously pumping out content, though, on, on, the, on the regular, on, on the dime. I mean, I have robots. Yeah, it's crazy. Or re-uploading content. Yeah, we actually did re-upload a video recently. We had to take down for some legal stuff. Right. Not, not our legal stuff, other legal stuff. So, that's back online. But uh, this week, we're putting out a video of some simple spoon carving. The thing that's cool about that is I have no idea what I'm doing, and I did it anyway, and my wife did one as well. She's right there. <laughs> She's looking behind She's you. She's looking behind her. <laughs> so it's, knows she <laughs> it's pretty cool because it was something that she wanted. And so like I started kind of figuring it out. And then we had a, I did three of them and we got the third one. And I was like, hey, you come down and do this one. And so she got to do it. It was awesome. My, my spoon and bowl carving class with, with Tracy Siobhan, a.k.a. Bastion Head on Instagram is going to be this weekend, this next weekend. Yeah, so there'll be a lot of social media and some vlog stuff on that as well. So watch my video, learn how not to do it, and then watch his, watch and learn how to do it. If anybody doesn't follow Tracy Shavant, or AKA Bastion Head, 
uh, that's his name on Instagram. Tracy's pretty amazing when it comes to making spoons and bowls. He sells them in Kansas City at a regular market. So that's what we're up to. Now we need some topics. <laughs> we got one. Digital fabrication in a small shop. Digital fabrication in a small shop. Ooh. Yes. That's a good All right. one. I'm just kidding. What you need is a five by 10 shop bot and put your apartment on top of it. There's a lot of space under it. We store so much that's, stuff that's under my yeah. shop bot. Yeah, the CNC's, I mean, they, they have a huge footprint, but you do, you know, you can like fold them up and not want a big one like that, but uh, I had my X car for a while to where I could fold it up and put oh, it. Oh, yeah, in your own shop. You had it like, yeah, like, yeah. I had a one car garage. Out of the way. I had a one car garage, and so my big work table, my main work surface, the X car would fold up against the wall. And so it was out of the way unless I needed it, and then it would come down and work. Um, and so they are good for that because they're, there's dead space underneath them. Uh, 3D printers are pretty mobile. So you could, you know, if you wanted to use that in a small space, you can easily have a lift, put it on a shelf, put it yeah. underneath something or whatever, they can come yeah, out. Yeah, that's with a 3D printer, you can just stick it anywhere. And, yeah. You know, as long as it gets started well, you just keep an eye on it and then you leave it. So it could be up on a shelf. It doesn't have to be yeah. on a table, in a, under a table it could be as well. And theoretically, you could put a 3D printer upside down on the ceiling and it would probably work. I don't know why you would want to, but if you're really limited on space. Yeah. And it really depends on what you're making because you don't need a CNC that takes up half your shop. If you're making something small, you can have a small CNC. And then I don't have any experience with them, but there are the machines that do the three in one. And I'm sure there's like a sacrifice of, yeah. uh, uh, of, of quality, but it really depends on what you make. You can buy a machine that does CNC carving, laser cutting, and. and uh, um, uh, a buddy of mine made, made his own CNC machine and to save space, he built the whole thing at like a 45 degree angle. Or maybe even more. Right. And it's it's not the one with the chains, it's like a regular CNC machine. And he tested all the servos, we're gonna be strong enough. And his whole machine is like this, like against the wall. It's pretty yeah, actually, simple. Uh, when I was putting my X-Carve on the wall, uh, one of the first tests that I did, and I don't know if it's made it into the video or not, I was actually gonna try to mount it to the wall so it could run vertically. And I found in that testing that uh, the motors that come with it are not strong enough to move, to handle the, the weight of the gantry against gravity. They work fine. But that's a matter of counterweighting and probably upgrading the voltage to the motors a little bit, but that would totally work. It is absolutely possible to run a CNC vertically on a wall. So if you're really hurting for space, but you're willing to put in that development time, that's totally would you possible. have to worry about? Cool. Would you worry about when you shut the voltage off if the machine just goes? Yeah, you would. But I think the counterweighting is part of that. Right. Is part of the safeguard there. Um, yeah. And I, I also looked at for that reason uh, using a seatbelt mechanism, so that you know if something jerks, it will lock that seatbelt. So if you had the gantry pulled up and you cut the power to it, it would be able to to catch itself. Yeah. There's something there I didn't explore too far, but. Somebody in here should do that. <laughs> Shout it out. Yeah. And Topics. Then, and a laser is obviously laser is like a like a yeah. 3D printer. I mean, sorry, like a like a like a computer printer. So if you haven't gotten yourself a laser yet, the one consideration there is exhaust. Oh, it has to be exhausted. So if you have a small shop, you have to make sure that the exhaust is not too close to your shop to where it doesn't truly get exhausted. You know, you know what works too? I was, in a, I was in Cornell a couple weeks ago, if anybody was following my social media. I'm gonna be doing some stuff at Cornell in New York. They have a laser cutter with an air scrubber inside, and it's amazing. Lincoln Welding sells a, a vacuum which will clean the air. So if that's an option if you can't get through a wall or you know, near a window. It works really well. Excellent, all right, next up. Favorite failures. Favorite failure. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. Nothing favorite about my favorite failure. I got a good one. Where's Dan? Where's, where's, my, where's my... So Dan and I were working on this segmented pencil holder, and it was supposed to be an easy project, and had these segments, and we drilled some holes, and we were filling the holes with epoxy, and then as we were turning it on the lathe, it chipped out. And I didn't want to start completely over, so I thought, well, the part of the project that is that chipped out, I'll just I'll melt some crayon on there, and it'll have a cool look oh, just over that one one, <laughs> one little area. And what happened was the crayon did not go where I wanted it to go, and so it just started to go everywhere. And something in my mind said, just keep going, just cover the whole thing in crayon. So I have this pencil holder made out of beautiful sapile and and some other fancy woods. 
and then you can't see the wood at all. It is just all melted crayon, and it, it still looks cool, and I know underneath there is expensive exotic woods. Nice. Uh, I have one that we were actually talking about earlier today that I would completely forgotten about. A lot of times people ask, like, what's a, what's a project that just didn't go right and you had to throw it away? And I've never had, I'm like, no, we never had one of those. I remember today that we actually did. We tried to make a bubble blower with a drone so that the drone would fly over and drop it down into a baby pool full of bubble solution, lift it up and create like a column, right? Sounds easy enough, right? Everybody's like, yeah, we could totally do that. It didn't work. And we spent an entire afternoon and like 10 gallons of corn syrup and Dawn and we were sticky and gross and it didn't work, but it was a lot of fun. And that's one thing that now we actually came up with some ideas today to make it work. So we may come back to that one. That was a lot of fun. Well, the one failure that keeps coming to my mind, it's a story I've told a few times where I took a job to make cabinets out of glass and steel and David Welder was with me at the time and, and I was halfway through that job, I undercharged it and it was difficult, it was so much more difficult than I thought. I had to make the cabinets, the doors, the shelves, all out of polished glass and I charged 6000 for the job and the glass ended up costing me like 4000 That was before any of the metal work, it was such such a miscalculation in many ways. And we had to drive the, 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 the finished cabinet to the job, which was only a mile away from the shop in New York City. And we literally drove one mile an hour because I was afraid the glass was gonna break on the cabinet because it was unfixable, everything was glued in place. And, and when we got to the place, Dave and I had like, we took all of us, we took all of our strength to pick the cabinet up. It was the main cabinet, but it had all these extra parts. And we went to bring it into the elevator and it didn't fit in the elevator. And they were like on the 10th floor. And we were like, what do we do now? But the, the reason it wouldn't fit in the elevator is because of the, the sign on the side of the elevated door that has like the braille and the number in it. And thank God we always carry our leather man. We peeled that off and the cabinet slid right in with like no air. We scratched the paint on both sides getting it in. And we got it up to the floor and we, we just hoped the elevated doors were the same because they're not always the same. And we got upstairs and we peeled off the thing that said whatever 10th floor and underneath it it said it in braille and we were able to slide it out. But that whole job in my mind was a failure because I didn't, I didn't even finish it and I didn't even charge them the balance. They weren't so happy with it. And I was like, and, the, and it was a couple and one of the, the, the guy thought I was trying to cheat them and it just left a bad taste. And I was like, they owed me money. I just said, keep the money. I don't care. And it's like, like I wanted to prove that I wasn't cheating them in any way and that I just miscalculated everything I promised I was going to be able to do. But I remember that every single time I'm sitting in a meeting with somebody, I just picture us peeling the logo off of the side of the elevator and I say, nah, I don't want to do this job. I don't want to. It'll cost twice as much. Yeah. All right, what else? Favorite sponsorships. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I, I, I got to say Lowe's. Like, we've been working with Lowe's a whole bunch and we have a bunch more stuff planned with them and they're amazing. Yeah. I mean, people have different opinions of every sponsor, right? There's always going to be somebody who... Could you, tell, could you tell them that I used to work for them last year? No. No, could you tell them that, that I used to work for them? Do that for me. Okay, I'll remind them. <laughs> remind them that I made seven videos for them last year. Yeah, they've been fantastic, honestly. Um, they were fantastic. I, <laughs> <laughs> I honestly do love my Casper mattress. That's not a play. I do too. I, I sleep mean, on my cast from after. That's the truth. But yeah, Lowe's has been great. I really like Squarespace. They've supported me. We have a long-term deal. They don't care what the video is about. And a lot of times when you're working with woodworking sponsors or tool companies, they want some input on the video. But Squarespace allows me to do whatever I want. And they never have any changes. They're really easy to work with. And I used to be a web developer. For 10 years, that's what I, that's how I paid my car payment. And uh, I actually like the service and I really use it. Yeah, he's, he's right. I did web development too and Squarespace is pretty awesome. <laughs> I work with Squarespace and they've been awesome to me. I, I love Lincoln Welding. Lincoln has been great to me. They basically helped me develop an entire new career as far as skill level goes with plasma and various types of welding processes. So. Lincoln's been amazing to me. And then also Carolina Shoes. It's, uh, I have a few videos with Carolina, one more coming up. And they're just, Carolina's just like, whatever, do whatever you want, have fun. And I made the whirly gig of making fun of Jackman and that was a lot of fun. And I just, I, took, I sent over the idea and they're like, yeah, run with it. it was it, so. They seem pretty awesome to work with. Yeah. All right, what do we got? Big projects and small shops. 
Big projects in a small shop. I used to live that life. Wow. The thing uh, is, all anymore. projects have to be able to go through a normal door. So you can't build a project that you can't get through your house door. So if, if it's a big project, maybe you only work on a little bit of it at a time. Well, I, I've worked on projects where, like, if I'm making a really long sign, I make the first part of the sign up to where it splices into something else, and then I get rid of that part, and then I make the middle part until it splices into the next part, and then I get rid of that part. I've done that with cabinets in my little shop in New York, and then the benefit of having everything come apart and go through the sidewalk hole that I used to have to contend with is that it would also be able to go in an elevator where I was going to, and... And after that job I described earlier, I made extra sure I walked the path of delivery. I mean, I used to do that, but in this one job, it just slipped my mind. But if I'm going to make something, where is the entrance? Where is the entrance for the, you know, for the delivery man? Okay, am I going to have to use this entrance? Where's the elevator? I go up. Sometimes I walk the stairwell, too, if it's an upstairs building. Because one time, David and I were carrying a 12-foot piece of tabletop. It wouldn't fit in the elevator. We went up the stairwell. We're going up the stairwell, going up the stairwell, and then on like the eighth floor, the stairwell immediately just got smaller because of the construction of the building. We were still able to do it, but we're like, if this, the next few flights get any smaller, we got to cut this thing in half. Yeah, uh, similar to that, we had the, the first arcade cabinet that I built was in my one-car garage shop. And I remember it took me so long to build because the gap that I had to walk through was the same size as the cabinet. So. I would set it up and have to climb over the table to get to the other side to do work on it, which makes filming a video pretty horrible, just so you know. But anyway, we did that one, and then recently we did another cabinet, and one of the first criteria that I said while we were talking about the design is it has to come apart into three stackable sections. And we talked about maybe two, and I was like, no, it's got to be three so that each piece is not too much for one person to handle. With the idea of being like... If you had to, absolutely had to take it apart to move or something like that later on, you could. But the intention is once you build it in three pieces, move it to where it's going, install it, and then it gets finally turned into one piece. And so it's not that it's made to come apart. It's not modular for the sake of being a modular thing. But you know that you have to be able to get it in manageable pieces through a doorway um, upstairs to the place it's going. And then you lock it all together and make it into a thing. Yeah. But I feel your pain. Making a big thing in a small space is not fun at all. You can always make it outside as long as it's not raining. Yeah. Yeah. There was one back here. The, the mess. Manage the mess in the shop. Hire an assistant. What? Hire an assistant. Next question. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> I leave awake. I am like the Tasmanian devil, and Brett hates me for it. And, and I, I've gotten used to, like, I'll pick this up, and, I'm like, and then there's a pile of tools around me, and then I'm like, Brett's like, just leave it. I'll deal with it tomorrow. And I got, I'm like, I'm jaded now. I'm like, I guess I'm accustomed to not putting things away. Yeah. No, I, it's, yeah. It just, it is part of the job. I remember my dad would always say, the job is not over until everything's packed up and put away. And I try to remember that, and I always forget it, though. I think a lot of people have different processes for that. Some people love to you know, clean up as they go. It's like a keeping it in check. Some people, like me, will just leave stuff everywhere until it's done. And then when it's done, the end of the project is cleaning it all up. And luckily, I have people that work with me that can help me do that, so I have a little extra hand in getting it done. Um, but I, I don't like to go into the shop with a new idea with something that we want to make and then have to work around last week's mess. So I always try it in my best, and I'm not great at it, try go back to, zero. It to get it back set, you know, reset to zero before you start the next thing. Even if that takes an extra day or takes an extra little amount of time, it probably will make you more productive in, in the new thing that you're going on to. A thing I do from time to time, and now that I have more space, is that we have project tables. So the table, if it can take a small project that's not going to take up a big floor spot, we'll keep a project on that table with some of the, the tools necessary on the bottom shelf so that I could take a break from it if I need to wait for a part or, and then get back to it. And it's all on that table. So that I consider the table like a big 3D filing cabinet for that object. My trick is every tool has a home. And so whether it's a drawer or a cabinet or a shelf, that tool belongs in that particular spot. And in woodworking, there's always downtime. So when it's easy to clean up because we know exactly where this tool is going to go. And then, like what Bob says, we start new projects every Tuesday. 
I want to start with a clean slate. It just feels like we're doing something new. We need, we, we don't want any barriers. And it just, not, not physical barriers of stuff being in the way, but the mental barrier of, I got to clean this up. Yeah, it is a mental strain if you're not on it. And I think this definitely applies to everyone, but I think in the case where we're creating content, you know, the way the shop looks is part of the presentation and the pace that everyone who creates content at any level, there's a pace that you set for yourself that you want to try to maintain. And anytime there's a stumbling block or something that's going to slow you down or make the final presentation not as ideal as you would like to be, that's a problem. And having a messy shop is like one of those things that affects all of that stuff. It slows me down for sure. All right, uh, another, yeah. Overcoming your fear of new technology. <laughs> you just you just have to confront it. It's like, you know, uh, it, it, you got to put on your big boy pants, sit down at the computer and say, okay. And, uh, you know, a good example is me learning fusion. I, I, lo I know various, it's like saying you know Spanish and you know say, you could say, hello, where's the bathroom? I don't know how to speak Spanish if those are the only things I know. But that was like my... That was my version of uh, Fusion. Like I could do two things and I thought, oh, I know how to use Fusion. I really don't. So I sat down in January and I went through the tutorial. Even if it's redundancy, I said, you know what? They have a sequence. They're trying to get people to use this software. They set up a series of tutorials. So that's how I confront new technology, especially new software. I try and find the tutorials that they provide. That gives you the basics. And so I sit down as if I'm a kindergartner learning to speak you know, language I live in, wherever I am, and I go through lesson one. And it's obviously like how to turn, but I go through it. I just turn off what I think I know and go through it. So that's, for me, that's the best thing. And then another way of confronting new technology is a show like this, where Full Spectrum's sitting there, and I could sit there and I could bug Nick and Walker about exactly how to use this new version of the software, and I could, oh, you know, I have those light bulb moments. I sit with ShopBot. And you know the guys over there are showing me. Oh well, this is the thing with. Oh, you, did you ever do this trick? I'm like, no, I've been using the software for five years. I never even knew that existed. So that's a real good thing too. And uh, just to sit down, you're here. Uh, you know, in the past, I bought Curtis at at uh, Autodesk and ask questions about how I do certain things. So take advantage of being at a show like this. I don't really have a fear of new technology. I embrace it. I have a fear of old technology. So I've been talking about getting into welding for two years and I never, I was just afraid because so many people know how to do it and I don't. And I took a class at my local art museum and that instantly got me over that fear. It gave me the confidence to do what I wanted to do. And so now that's my, I'm 100% I'm into welding and, and metal work. Yeah, I was going to say kind of the same thing. I give him a hard time about new technology, but I'm as afraid of machining as he was of 3D printing a short time ago, right? It's, it's not, uh, new technology is a relative term. Uh, it's anything that you've not done before. New, new to you. New to you, exactly. And so the way that I find with that, because I'm in the same spot as with what they just said, I can't say I want to learn how to TIG weld and sit down and learn how to TIG weld. That's just not how my brain works. I need to say, I want to figure out how to attach Jimmy's phone to a bicycle. And to do that, I have, I have to TIG weld. And so I need to learn how to TIG weld that thing to that thing. He's got like six phones, so you can do that. This is, this is his, um, his texting phone. Yeah, he yeah. also has... <laughs> just kidding. But so like I have to grab a project that incorporates the thing that I want to learn that just gives me a little more investment. And that helps me learn. It, now, I think that's a shorter... Or, or, it's a longer process to, to master something and to get good at it because you're only learning like little bits here and there but for me that's just the way that I can learn something and capture it and keep it that's more rewarding because you, yeah. you made something that you need now and you use that, that new technique I have a little internal conversation that I often have is when, when I'm confronted with a new technology or 3D printing or Tormach or whatever I, I, there's a voice inside my head that says stop being a baby you've come this far and it's, I really think that in my head. I'm like, stop being a baby. Just get over your fear. Just do it. You know. So I have that little psychological struggle in my head. And then I say, okay, I'll stop being a baby. It's me talking to myself. Anybody who listens to the after show knows that Jimmy just whines like a baby the whole time. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. I can't hear myself. Right, no more. No more. All right. What else we got? my dad. Making tools? 
Oh, wow. I'm not good at that. I wish I knew how to make tools. Uh, like, okay, for instance, we were doing the spoon carving. Yeah. Uh, and I don't have the correct tools. I have no carving tools whatsoever. So I'm like, we can use an angle grinder and we can use a, I don't know. A, yeah, we're improving, right? But part of that was me saying like, well, what tool would actually do this, the scoop of the inside of the spoon better? Like, what's the tool that people who know what they're doing use? And could I make one of those? Now, it turns out that I couldn't make one of those in the time that it, we needed it to make those spoons. But now I know what that tool is. And so as I move forward and start to learn like blacksmithing and stuff like that, that's a tool that I know that I don't have and it's probably easy enough to make and a great way to learn blacksmithing, which goes back to the previous topic, right? So um, that's one that I want to try to grab, uh, try to make is like a, one of these things. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. Uh, making tools for me is, is always fun. I, I've, I've improvised a lot of tools in the shop. I've uh, modified tools. Uh, those are some of my best videos is where I put like a clip on a hammer or put a clip on a leather man. Everything's got to go on my belt. And, uh, but my ice pick is a tool that I didn't really make, but I kind of made it fashionable. And I'm happy for that because the fans really helped in that. I made ice pick for myself. Just always wanted to keep one in my pocket. And then fans started saying, hey, I want one too. I never ever thought to market it until the fans asked. And so coming up soon, I'm going to be making like a, a knife and a razor blade. I made them in the previous couple of videos. Um, so the razor blade will be available. It's a big seven inch razor blade. Looks, I got it the idea when Jocko was playing with his knife. And so it's just a piece of steel and I'm gonna put it out there for people to play with. And I want, I'm gonna keep it kind of raw because I want people to like finish the job. I want people to like 3D print handles and holders and, and sheets and whatever. So I'm gonna sell the knife really cheap so people aren't afraid to use it. So that's a new tool that I'm coming out with. It's an individual thing. I don't always like making tools as much as I like making things that I need or want around the house. Uh, for instance, I just watched Jeremy's video on making a belt grinder because I really wanted a belt grinder, and he's got a great he's got a great set of series of videos on there. And I was like, man, that's going to take me a long time. I'm fortunate enough where I think I'm just going to go buy the tool so I can make the things that I want to make. Yeah, I think I, I kind of run into that on occasion, especially for bigger stuff, yeah. right? Um, 3D printers are a pretty good example for me. The first 3D printer I got was a kit, and it was cheap, and that's where I got it. And I'm thinking, oh, this is great. Like, I can put together a kit. I hated that. I hated the process of building the printer because Remember I the ended old up, days when you used to have to put together your X-Car? Remember those good old days? <laughs> I ended up with a, with a printer. For months. I ended up with a printer, and I would try to print with it, and it was terrible. Right, And so the work of building a printer is not building the printer, it's turning it into a printer, making it do its job that you want it to do. And so for me, just like David, that's a huge waste of time. Like that's not, but at the same time, some people love that process, like and Ma what they Ma want to do is build the printer. Like Matthias makes the bandsaws, like we you know, Matthias and John Hyde make everything they need. And uh, you know, that's a challenge that they could make anything that's available, but to me, I'd rather spend my time as far as making tools in that regard. If you're a young kid and you want to make a bandsaw, you'll learn unbelievable amounts. But when you're 40 years old, you're, you have no time to make a bandsaw. So you go and you buy one. Don't, how, you're not 40 years old, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else? Do what do we do with the extra projects? Uh, for me, I mean, the majority of things that we make are things that I need or, well, What are you gonna do with that extra bathroom you just made? <laughs> That's the problem, you can't do things like that. But um, most of the things are, you know, they fill a need within our house or somebody we know, or it's a thing that like, I mean, nobody needs an Optimus Prime blaster, except for me, and so I did. And uh, so most of the things kind of are born with a place for me. Um, but actually, I was talking to Colin Furs, we, we were in the UK recently. And he's there with this big display of like his his jet bike and his all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, what do you do with all this stuff? You can't ride it all. And he said, I don't know what to do with it. I can't get rid of it. And I've got two containers and a bunker full of stuff. Oh man. Yeah. So I kind of have the same problem. It's all laying around everywhere. So when a fan or a friend comes to visit me, they're like, Oh my God, there's a thing. Oh my God, there's another thing. Oh my God, there's another thing. And sometimes they take pictures with it. So a lot of it's laying around my shop. A lot of, I have two containers in my property, so a lot of it's sitting in there. One of these days I kind of fantasize about a big gallery show, 
of all of these various things with like a little monitor playing the video where I created it. So that's, that's a fantasy. And I actually talked to the, somebody at Chicago Art Institute a long time ago, I think that's where he worked, was, coming, was entertaining that idea. And I mean, since then I've made 50 more things, so we didn't follow through. One day it'll happen. We just bought a bigger house. Houses are really cheap in Toledo. <laughs> yeah. That's good. All right, what's next? Most successful project? Yeah. Uh, I guess, I mean, if you're looking at numbers, that would be my guitar that I made for Wyclef, the AK-47 guitar. Um, I guess as, as far as like the most successful project, I don't know, I guess the most successful project would be my YouTube channel. Because that is like an endeavor to like envelop and sucks in your whole entire life. And so I would say that. When people say, what's your best accomplishment, favorite project? I would say that. Thank you. That's a beautiful answer. Yeah, it's kind of a cheat answer. <laughs> <laughs> My kids? Is that like... Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, I would say that. <laughs> For me, it's an ongoing one every year. Uh, my wife and I retire our wedding rings and make new ones. I don't have mine on. I am still married though. Um, but success is, uh, I'm defining success as something that's fulfilling and satisfying. And so just making new rings and the challenge is trying to make something different every year. So that's most successful for me. I think that's really cool that you do that because it would be easy to like say, well, I figured it out this year, so we're just going to do the same process with like, oh, a different color wood this year or whatever. But like every one that you've done has been an entirely different process with different materials. Yeah. That's really cool. One of the things that when you build wedding rings out of wood, they don't last forever too, so you're forced to... But, but I mean, I think this is off topic, but I think, you know, I, I will build things because I want to try to build them yeah. and then they're done and like... Whatever. I could never, ever make another arcade cabinet. I plan to never make an arcade cabinet for the rest of my life and be just fine. But, but I think it's really cool that like you take a thing and you, ha you continually refine it and, and come up with new ways to do it because that's something that I don't ever do. Yeah. I think that's cool. There, I, ju I just saw um, Adam Savage came through Toledo last week and he was, t and he was reading an expert from... Uh, he was reading part of his book and I think it was during the talk and he was like... You know, it's, it's all about iteration and redoing things and making it better every single time. And that's the only thing that I keep doing over and over again and trying to make better every single time. Everything else, like I did not relate to that. Everything else is just like, I'm making it one time and then I move on to the next thing. Yeah, that's mostly how I am. As far as like my successful stuff, I mean like from a view perspective, like on YouTube, uh, my wooden katana has done incredibly well. How many views now? Uh, last time I looked it was 11 million. Oh, wow. Which is kind of bananas that Not there's, bad. yeah. Um, but before that, it was my the, the first secret door we did. And I think between that one and this other secret door that we recently did at Josh's house, I don't know where Josh is, um, those I think are really successful for a few reasons. One, I think they're, they capture like the imagination of people. Every person in the world wants to have a secret you know, room in their house, everybody. And so I think it's successful because it reaches a lot of people that way and hopefully turns that crazy idea that could never actually happen into something that somebody goes, okay, like where in our house can we do this? I think that's, I call that success. That's pretty cool. All right, uh, what do we got? How would you build a better table than the one you're sitting at? I would make it five inches lower. <laughs> All right, the question was how, how would we build a better table than this one right here? Jimmy, go. I love my new, uh, new to me, the style that I make. Every time we need a new table, we make a two by two inch tube table and I take the measurements off the last one I made. So by the time I retire, which will never happen, but within a year I'm gonna have like 400 of those tables everywhere and everyone's gonna have a different project on it or a different tool stuck to it. So I do my two by two inch tube with four inch rolling locking wheels and the bottom shelf. And we just made five more so uh, the total I have is I have about 12 of them maybe, and I need to make like four more because some other new project we do. So in a couple of years he's gonna have a big like blowout sale, cheap yeah. tables, and everybody steel can come tables. buy their steel tables. Two by two inch two table. I'll take his answer. I don't have a better answer than that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what else we got? Favorite videos of each other. Ooh. Ooh. We don't watch each other's video. That's the secret. Now we're all gonna be confronted. 
Come on, Bob. What was my favorite video? The one where you made the knife that one time? Uh, oh, yeah, that one. No, I think, honestly, the, uh, one of the first ones I watched of yours way back, and it's still one of my favorites, just because I think it was, it was like, the, like a connection moment where I was like, oh, I know who this guy is, and he's really good. And I remember, you know, uh, you made a table where you took, like, slices of a tree, and you laid them all out and then poured something. I don't remember exactly yeah, what it was. Yeah, and there was a table. And I was just getting into watching this type of stuff on YouTube, and I saw that video randomly, and I was like, wait, I know that guy. Like, why do, why do I know him? Oh, he's the brother from that show that actually builds stuff. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that actually does stuff. No offense, John. But that was like a... I remember that video specifically because it, like... I think that was the beginning of me getting into your videos, which connected to this whole thing, which is why I'm on this stage right now. So that's right. the one that sticks out. So, Jimmy, it's, it's, it's your vlogs. Because you. before I met you, you were kind of a mystery because your, your personality is not in the video. And that's, that's the cool thing about your videos is like you are a mystery. But then when uh, in your vlogs, you, we get to hear you talk. We get to feel the experiences that you're, you're feeling. And I really, really like, enjoy those. And then, Bob, it's your arcade cabinet because I've been wanting to build an arcade cabinet since you built an arcade cabinet. So. <laughs> I, I remember watching Bob's Secret Room video, the first one, and I was like, wow, this guy's really got it going on. Like, this is, like, just for the same reason you just said, how the room's like a mystery, and, and I was like, this is good. And then that's like one of your highest rated videos. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Dave, the way I met Dave, I typically make something, and I'll make something, and then I, most often before I make it, I research to make sure I'm not going to make exactly the same thing as somebody else. But in this case, I made these shop stools, and I made it pretty much similar to the way you made yours. And so I reached out to Dave, and I was like, hey, I just want to, you know, I just kind of parallel thinking. I made something similar that I just released, but, you know, I, I don't want you to think that, you know, I, I copied you, and I gave you credit. I think I gave you credit. I hope I did. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I blocked you. I was like, I didn't just this my life. <laughs> Who is this guy? Yeah. And that's how we met. And it's funny, when I first... So your videos, I, I was like, oh man, this guy's got it going on. And but you were kind of new at that time. Yeah. And I, but it's when I saw because of the, the the drunken woodworker branding, and then also I love when you did the the reviews of other videos. Those are always great. And everybody misses those. Does everybody miss when Dave would do the woodworker oh, review no. videos? <laughs> Sorry, I had a pad to the audience. <laughs> no pressure. But uh, I I remember like feeling like a familiar, warm like. Oh, drunken woodworker! Like, oh yeah, this is that guy. And then I'm like, wait, I never heard of this guy. I'm like, but wait, your branding was like so familiar and welcoming. I think for David, uh, it's not a specific video, but like, I know that you are an artist and you want to do your art stuff. And I know a lot of other people like your shop projects and things like that. But I understand why, because when I think of a shop project, I think of like I have to build the fastest, cheapest two by four thingy to put some, another thingy on. And he does shop projects that are like beautiful pieces of furniture, and there's like walnut everywhere, and they like great contours. And I'm like, oh man. I get very jealous when I see you doing like walnut faces. Like the drill cabinet is amazing, and like the way you've like made it slide across the, the, the bar and everything. I look at that and I go, oh. Thank you. Where I live, we have a great resource for plywood, and walnut plywood is, in some case, it's, it's, it's called shop grade walnut plywood, and it's actually cheaper than Baltic birch. No joke. So when people give me crap for using walnut plywood for my shop furniture, I'm like, here's the link. This is where I get my stuff. I'm cheap. I'm <laughs> cheap. <break>. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What do we got? Oh, hobbies outside of making. This is it. Everything, all my hobbies make it to the videos. I always say that when I make something where I don't get paid, that's my hobby. And that's, you know, anything that I don't do a video on. My, mine is printing. I love, obviously, I, I'm really getting into printing and the mechanisms of behind ancient printing, antique printing. I just bought a, a, my Washington hand press, which I've showed on Instagram a little bit. I'm going to get into machining. And so, like, I like when my hobbies bring me into other disciplines. So, rescuing machines, I guess, is a hobby. Yeah, I mean, any hobby that I pick up, I put it in the videos. Um, I, there's there's something about sharing what I'm learning and what I'm doing just really satisfies me. I think I honestly don't have any, and that sounds really sad. I understand, um, but I think part of like 
Part of being a business owner and like doing this type of thing is you have to, at least for a time, throw most of yourself at it. And uh, you know, I've, I've set aside a lot of things in the past that I enjoyed temporarily. I don't really play music anymore, but I would love to. Um, I, there, there's just a few things like that that are temporarily just not in play. And I hope that's not always the case. I think there's a, there's a way to start your own business and grow it to the point where you can back off and let it live a little bit, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. But I think through your journey, I mean, you've done an incredible journey in just these last few years, there's gonna be one thing that's gonna like hook you. And you're not even, you're not even aware of it yet. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of things that I would like to get back to doing, but right now, the thing that actually makes me as excited as a hobby would, to most people, is the work. You know what I mean? If you have a boring day job, you're like, man, I can't wait to get home and build model trains or whatever your hobby is. And I'm like, I can't wait to go to work. So, I mean, it's, you know, same thing, I guess. All right, do you have one? Any newer creators that we want to kind of lift up and shout out to? Oh, man, there's so many. <laughs> That's really hard to do on the spot. Uh, one is right there, Michael Alm. Go ahead and get embarrassed, Michael. Put your hand up. This guy, we met, we met him, I don't know, three, four years ago or something? Quite a while ago, at one of these events, four years ago. And he's an incredible artist. And he's, he's real humble and just, he's like, come up and hey, dude. And he's like, we're like, what do you do? And he's like, I'll oh, make these like sculptures out of these amazing animal sculptures out of bent wood that look like, this sounds gross, but they look like you skinned a rabbit and you yeah. can see the inside of a rabbit, but it's made out of wood. It is beautiful. And he also makes incredible furniture and excellent videos and all this other stuff. Super undervalued, that guy right there. That's my, my pick. I, I love the, the I, I mean, I can't call out anyone. I mean, Miles is one person that comes to mind, but the, the, young, the young, young guys that come to me that are 14, I, I spoke to somebody else whose name escapes me, the young girl, Hayden. Uh, I hope I'm saying the name correctly. The, the, the young guys that are just starting their career, because I remember personally at 13, 14 years old, experimenting, hiding cut fingers from my parents so they don't, you know, bar me from the shop because I cut off half my fingertip and I'm hiding. So I remember that age experimenting with machines and, and you know, hiding the broken tools from my dad because I wasn't supposed to touch them. So I remember experimenting and all that whole sense of discovery. So when I see somebody that's 13, 14, 12 years old, I, it's just so exciting. And I try and imagine what it would have been like for me at that age if I had YouTube and all the resources. And, you know, instead of just knowing that that one guy that's high on Bondo all the time in mid you know, in my town that knows how to, like, fix a fender. Because that's what it was like when I was growing up. Like, these guys were my heroes because they could change a fender or fix a flat or do these things. But now these guys have YouTube to just learn anything. And of course, now I do too. But if I had it when I was 13, I can only imagine where I'd be now. I don't have a good example right on the spot, but something that's really important to me is to, I, I try to, my picks of the week, I try very hard to do people who don't look like me, like old, white, straight dudes. I try, I'm, I want the community to be welcoming to everybody yeah. so i'm doing my best to make sure everybody is is welcome and the, the community is open which the, the community is amazing by the Absolutely. way yeah, yeah. That, that's a really good sentiment yeah that's a big thing important thing to remember for sure because i mean you know like we're uh we're three white dudes with beards right and <laughs> we are we are extremely blessed to be in a position where we can we do a hangout it's up. like it's like 15 body doubles <laughs> But the community at large is so much and MJ. And, MJ, yeah. and it's so much more than that. And so we're in a really awesome position to be able to lift up people who don't get the representation they need. So I hope well, we can I, do that. A funny story. Even I, though I recommended a white dude with a beard. Sorry. <laughs> Kyle, guys, you know, guys know Kyle from RR Buildings. Kyle was building my building, and I was like, you know, so many people were saying, Are you guys doing a hangout? Are you gonna do a hangout? And so on the rainiest night in October. We did a hangout at my shop. Guys were driving from five and six hours away. And then, like, the, the evening was going really well, and, like, all of Kyle's fans came, and guys that didn't know me were there for Kyle, and guys that didn't know Kyle were there for me, and a lot of crossovers. So there might have been 50 to 60 guys in my shop that night. Taylor brought over some catered food and stuff. We had a really nice night. 
And like I look back and like all the guys that were there for me were all out of shape. They looked like nerds. And all the guys that were there for him, it looked like a football team. Because they're all guys that frame houses all day long. And all the guys that look like me are like hiding in their basement, making stuff like away from their wives. It was so, I said to Kyle, go look back, look at all you guys look like action figures. Go, all my guys look like they should have, they stopped exercising 10 years ago. <laughs> all right, what do we got? You got another one? Yes. They have an awesome hat on, by the way. Favorite products to build with or like materials? Oh, man. I, I'm, I love to work with a lot of different types of stuff, right? Um, but I honestly think wood is probably the first thing that comes to mind in a question like that. Just general wood because it's so accessible. It's so much easier to work with than anything else. If you have the expertise to work with metal, awesome. Uh, but there's a learning curve. You can cut a piece of wood with another piece of wood if you push hard enough, right? So it's, it's easy to work with. It's, it's easy and it's accessible. Is that an idea? No. Yeah, you can. You're probably cutting both of them at the same time, but you can do it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I think, I think woodworking is a great way to get into it, and it's a great thing that you can use for a bunch of different uh, types of projects and different types of output. And I honestly think that's why woodworking is a commonality between a whole bunch of different maker channels. A lot of people have specialties in something, and in this, and in that, or they have an interest in this or in that. And almost everybody touches woodworking somehow. And that's because, you know, it's accessible, easy to get to. It's, it's also, there are 20 ways to cut a piece of wood. You can use a table saw, a band saw, a jigsaw. There's only one way to weld two pieces of metal together. So I think that's, wood is definitely my favorite. And Wood is really the most accessible, accessible. I like working with metal because when you weld, it's done. You don't have to wait for the clamps. You actually don't even need clamps. You can go like this. The problem is, it, you still have to wait for it to cool. I keep burning myself. I can't get in my head that... Close your eyes. And it's still hot. Yeah, if oh, it's well. not red, it's not hot. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. We have five minutes, so... That's true. We just got the five minute time. Really? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, right here. Uh, the most inspirational person in my life that I don't get to thank. Well, my dad. I mean, but he knows. I thank him all the time. But if there's somebody that I don't get to thank, I mean... I, I don't thank my mother enough because my mother's like so not needy. You know, my mom is just, my mom is my mom and she's like, everything's cool. You should be really proud of yourself. You're doing a great job. And my dad's always like, how did it go? Did everybody like you? Did every, you know, so I got to constantly keep reminding my dad everything's good. But my mother is just so easygoing. So, I mean, my parents really set me up well. So I, that's, that's what I'd have to say. I, I mean, mine's, I guess, cheesy, whatever, my wife. I tell her thank you on occasion, but... She's right over there. She's right there. Everybody look at her and her. Uh, she's got the bottle in front of her face. But, I mean, honestly, like, there's... A thank you is not enough, right, for the amount of support and uh, opportunity that she has given me to be able to do the stuff that I do. Um, she's never questioned it once. She's never worried about if we were going to make it living on a YouTube income. She's never, you know, she's amazing. And... Uh, I could say a, a thank you a thousand times and it wouldn't be enough, and that's, that's the truth. Save it for the Oscars. <laughs> she loves me. I'm lucky enough to still have my grandfather with me, so I can thank him, and I do. He's, he's going to be 97 years old in July, and he's a woodworker. He is in his shop every single day where it's not below freezing, making crosses and birdhouses and bat houses. He is my number one inspiration. My dad passed away two years ago, and since then, I've, I've really gotten close with my grandfather and just really respect him, not only as a woodworker, but he is the kindest, most amazing person in the world. He's the opposite of me. He doesn't like attention. He's, he does things out of the kindness of his heart. I do kind things too, but he lives to do kind things for his little town that he lives in. He is, and I was lucky enough to, a, a, a quick story, uh, two years ago, I went, I asked him, hey, can I do a little bio about you? And he's like, no, I don't, why would you do that? And then a local paper kind of picked up on what he's doing. 
and he got a little bit of that, that fame enjoyment and he's like okay now let's shoot that bio that you want to do and I, so I made, I made a little a little movie about it and my and I'm so glad I got the opportunity to do so yeah that was really special you should definitely all go check out that video about his grandfather uh, I think we're about out of time correct one more question alright let's do one more if we were starting a YouTube channel tomorrow what would we do differently is that right everything <laughs> yeah, it, it's an evolving thing, and that's a cheap answer, I guess. But it's an evolving thing that honestly, I don't know what I would do today, because we've all been on this platform and in this doing this thing for long enough that we started in an entirely different place. Um, yeah. I don't know that I could personally give any kind of a recommendation as to how to do it now, other than just like we always say, just do it, and then. Tomorrow, figure out what you have to do differently and just keep doing that. The three of us don't really hop on trends too much, and we make what we want to make. So if I had to start tomorrow, I'll just make what yeah. I want to make. i got to make a, a, a fidget spinner. <laughs> I'm gonna make, I'd start with a fidget spinner video so I can get views. I heard they're really big right now. Yeah. yeah. Mine's going to spin like 4,000 RPMs faster than Jocko's. <laughs> I'll put it in the title and just the win. Whether it does or not, who cares? Yeah, I think no matter what platform you're on, no matter when it is, how it changes, the first thing is doing it so that you can realize how bad that thing is, and then you can do it better. And that's what we do. I mean, that's what me and the, the guys that work with me, that's what we do every single time. We try to make it better than the one before. You got to just start. If, there's any, if any advice to anybody that's thinking about becoming a content creator, because we're on the content creator stage, you just got to start. Don't wait for the perfect moment. You don't wait for the perfect storm, the perfect program, the perfect camera. There are a lot of guys out there doing successful channels with an iPhone, with iMovie. You know, you don't need all this fancy stuff. What you need is just determination and a good idea. And that comes through a lot of the younger guys and a lot of the older guys. So just, that, that's what's infectious. Not the slick, not the slickness, the, the emotion. Yeah. Uh, we're running out of time. Should we? we uh, somebody came up with the idea of doing a pick of the week. We have one minute. But something that's here at the show. Okay, uh, self-solving Rubik's cube. That's mine. Mine is the the tables that are over there with the with the the ball bearing that makes the the art in the sand. Uh. Uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> the only thing that's coming to mind is the uh, is the the CNC router pogo ball shooter crossbow because that is uh, just so much goes into that they're giving them away and it's like no big deal but when you stop and look at the engineering in that and i spoke to the guy that engineered it i wish i could know his name i wish i knew his name but just as a giveaway at a show there is a tremendous amount of work that went into that and if you get a chance go look at the uh avid cnc avid cnc booth at the end of this aisle um, all right, real quick. We're going to be over there hanging out. We'd love to talk to you. Thank you so much for Thank sitting you. here. And in an hour, me and my team will be back up here. If you guys want to hang out and hear about how we make videos as a team, we'll be back here. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Jimmy, you guys say I love you. I love you. Say it back. Thank you. Wait, what about the after show people? Oh, yeah. Oh, the after show is going to happen under the table.